So you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. So let's pray. God, uh, I thank you for this morning, an opportunity to share your word. Um, pray that you give us ears to hear, open our hearts, and um, just speak through me. And whatever needs to be heard, let it be heard. And whatever I say that is not from you, just let it be forgotten. I uh, pray for Mac this morning as he's at New Day. Pray for John and Halsey and, and the New Day Church. Um, continue to comfort them and their, uh, continue to heal Halsey and um, just take care of her, take care of their family and their church. Uh, we love you, God. Amen. So, as most of you know, I grew up as a pastor's son. And as a pastor's kid, there's definitely some perks that come with the role. Like, like pretty much every adult in church, they are always really nice to you. Um, there'd be times when people want to take our family out for meals, uh, and it was always the good restaurants that we never got to go to when it was just us. And at Christmas time, you'd get presents from all kinds of people that you barely knew. So being a kid, some of these perks were really great, but it also came with certain expectations. I was, ex or we, my brothers and I, were expected to be at every single church event. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, VBS, church camp, Sunday school, we were always there. And people would always ask me and my brothers, are you going to grow up and be a pastor just like your dad? Which is, you know, a great question, not imposing at all to ask a seven-year-old. Uh, but some of these expectations of who I was and how I should be acting, they were totally normal, but some, they felt unfair. And some of these things were true and some of them were not. These people, they, they had a certain image of me, but it wasn't the real me. It was their perception of what they thought I should be as a pastor's kid. Now, as an adult, I became a surveyor. It's the profession that I chose to do. And when I you know, meet new people, hey, I'm Austin, I'm a surveyor. And you know, that, that comes with certain expectations and perceptions as well, like, uh, are, are those those guys on the side of the road? Or usually it's, what's a surveyor? But it's what I project to the world that I am. But neither of these are my true identity. If I still went around mainly identifying as a pastor's kid, that'd be kind of weird. If I only talked about what I do as a surveyor, that'd be incomplete. Jesus is the one who gives us our true identity. And here in Matthew 5, he's describing what kingdom citizenship looks like. He's giving characteristics of who his disciples are and what they should be doing. And one of the first things he says is, you are salt, you are light. The one who made us and knows our innermost thoughts, he's calling us to follow him and he's laying out the path of what it looks like to walk with him. The most famous sermon Jesus gives gives all kinds of uh, instructions 
to kingdom citizens on their behavior, ranging from, you know, uh, some of the restating some of the Ten Commandments to fasting and prayer. But before he tells us what to do, he tells us who we are. So we have to know who we are, then we can fulfill our calling. So my main idea this morning is Jesus gives, an, gives us an identity and he gives us a calling. So first he tells us who we are. He says, you are the salt of the earth in verse 13 and you are the light of the world in verse 14. So this, it's a present tense statement. It's not something that will one day become. Salt doesn't hope to be salty one day, it just is. Light isn't almost on, it's on or it's not. They didn't have any dimmers in the 21st century. You either had light or you didn't. And this new identity, it isn't a goal or something to achieve, it's who we are right now. Jesus has given us an updated identity, an eternal one. It's, I think we can forget that sometimes, that it's, it's not about, no longer about being your parent's son or daughter. It's not about your job or your, how much money you make. It's not the house you live in or the car you drive. It's not who your kids are or what political party you affiliate with. When you decide to follow Christ, there's an identity realignment from the earthly to the eternal. When you become salt, you can't help but positively affect your surroundings. When you are light, you can't help but attract those in darkness that are seeking the light. And when Jesus gives you a new identity, you are the flavor and a preserver to a decaying world. You are the beacon of hope sought out by those wandering in the darkness. And when he calls us to be light of the world, we have to remember what he says in John 8, 12, that he is the light of the world. He can call us to this because that's what he is. And if he lives on us, that's what we become too. So let's go back to Genesis 1 at creation when darkness covered the earth. And God says, let there be light. The creator created light. And if we look at the end in Revelation 22, when uh, he says, there will be no need for lamp light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. So we see at the beginning of creation and in the final day that God is light. And we stand in the parentheses of the present in the middle here and we are a part of what was and what is to come. God is light at the beginning and God is light at the end. And as believers we are to shine his light in this present darkness. This reminds me of my little brother. When he was in like second or third grade, he played select baseball. He was on a little baseball team that played on weekends and the team was bad. The team was really bad. They lost all the time. But it was fine with my parents because they'd lose on Friday and Saturday and be done and it wouldn't ever interfere with Sunday mornings. So it was fine, it was fine. Uh, but one day, one weekend, my brother tells my dad, I think I need to be the pastor of the team. He is very cute. He's, you know, he's seven, eight years old. So he leads the team in prayer before the next game. And he starts doing this before all the games. And what do you think happens? That little team started winning. 
and that team got so good so fast that we still mess with them. Like, hey, man, you were the pastor of the team and you made your team good. You know, we joke about it now. And it is a funny story, but two or three of those little boys and their families, they actually got reinvolved back in church. They came back to faith. They started or accepted faith, you know, came to Christ. And so my little brother, he, he felt a call. He, he heard a call. He answered. And now some of those families, they're still walking with the Lord today. It seemed like such a small thing at the time. But he made a real impact on his friends and their families. So if an eight-year-old boy playing baseball can hear a call and be a light to his teammates, can we be a light to our coworkers at work? Can we be a light amongst our friends? And can we be a light to our families at home? How many times have we heard that little voice challenging us to step out and turn an everyday interaction into a gospel sharing opportunity? As little as one word can sprinkle some salt and stop a decaying situation. Just a glimmer of light can offer hope to pull someone out of a dark time. So this is who Jesus tells us we are. But what do we do with it? So once we let Jesus define our identity, what we do becomes an overflow of what's inside, what's now inside. He describes us as being a city on a hill in verse 14, and in verse 15 as a lamp that as long as you don't put a basket over it and you put it where it's supposed to go, it's going to give light to all that are in the household. Notice when each of these things are being what they are, they can't be hidden. It's actually more work to hide them than it is to just let them shine and be seen. So we might take light for granted now, but in the, 20, in the first century, we have to remember how important light was. When the sun went down, you know, they didn't have street lights or porch lights or headlights or even cell phone flashlights. It was a, light was a valuable, precious commodity at the, in, in the evenings and at night. And I think, you know, we as Houstonians might know better than most what power outages can be like. We have, how many of us were reminded during Harvey or the freeze, you know, or any of our other hurricane natural disasters we've been through, how dependent we are on light to do anything at the, in the house in the evening or at nighttime? I don't know about you guys, but walking around my house at night, I'm looking for a candle or a flashlight to go anywhere. And this is walking around my house in a place that I know well. And we thought we were lucky that we had a gas stove so we could, you know, we could still cook with no power. And so we were very grateful. But when night came, although we could cook, we realized we still couldn't see. <laughs> so we were scrambling, get all the flashlights, bring all the candles to the kitchen. We can't see what we're doing. This chicken is, you know, it's, how do we know if it's done? You know, this was just a few days, and, you know, we made do. But imagine wandering your whole life in darkness. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Not being able to see clearly and not knowing what it's like to have the light of Christ to give you direction and clarity. How hopeless would that feel? Jesus tells us we're supposed to be the light of the world. And we're here to let his light shine through us to give hope and direction to those around us. But we can only be that light if we're plugged into the power source, plugged in to Jesus. 
And Jesus said in John 15 that I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. For apart from me, you, can, you can't do anything. So if we only have light, we only have light and life if we're connected to him. How can you give or share light if you aren't connected to the source? So in the 21st century, salt was not mainly used for flavor like now, but primarily to preserve food. It was a common daily necessity that allowed food to be kept for more than a day because you're out there in the desert with no refrigeration. That lamb roast, that's not going to keep very long. But salt prevented whatever it was put on from decaying. So interestingly, I read an article about salt that says, as long as it's pure, it has an almost indefinite shelf life. You, years can go by, and that salt's not going to lose its flavor or its power. It's only when you mix other things to, in it and start adding things that it's going to go bad. So if you keep salt pure, it'll keep its power. Similarly, when we try to add to the truth of Christ, we become deluded and lose the, the enduring power of Christ. In which case, he says in verse 13, that we're no good and will be thrown out to be trampled underfoot by men. So the funny thing about salt and light, <laughs> the funny thing about salt and light is it's hard to fake. There's, there's no real good substitute for the real thing. If you say you're light and no one around you can see, or that you are being salt to those around me, but all around you is decay and rot, or you're salt that's stuck in a salt shaker with all the other salt. Something might be missing. Neither salt nor light were meant to be kept to themselves. They're only effective as they interact with their surroundings. But once they do, their impact is immediately felt. They change their environments for the better. So Jesus is calling us to interact with and improve our environment. So let's get out of our salt shaker Let's put the lamp on its stand. And whether it's being salt or light, what we do is an overflow of who we are. So are we hiding our light? Or are we being that city on a hill? Is our salt diluted? Or is the preserving power of Christ having a life-giving effect to those around us? So Jesus has given us our new identity. We talked about how it carries over into how we behave. But what's the goal? What's the point? And Jesus gives us that in verse 16. And he says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So we need to always remember that whatever positive impact we have on others, it's not for our glory. We should, in all that we do, we should be pointing back to, the, back to Christ, back to our Heavenly Father. So notice Jesus says that they may see your good works, but it stops with you right there. There should be no mistaking that it's by your power, but it's Christ through you. And Jesus is a prime example multiple times of doing something and point, immediately pointing back to the Father. In Luke 7, after healing the son of a widow, the crowd was gripped with fear and began glorifying God. In Luke 13, when Jesus healed the woman on the Sabbath, she immediately began glorifying God. And in Luke 23, Right after Jesus breathed his last, the centurion standing at the foot of the cross saw what happened and began praising God, 
saying, surely this man was innocent. And Jesus himself in John 8 says that if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. So how can we think we're due any credit if even Jesus is constantly pointing back to the Father? Jesus is constantly giving credit to the Father in heaven. So when we put our faith in Christ, he gives us a new identity. He redefines who we are as a new creation in him. And when we fully embrace that and allow him to work through us, there will necessarily be changes in how we interact and act, how we act and interact around and with others. It's not through our efforts or how hard we try. In fact, it's probably more of the opposite. The more we get out of the way and let God work through us, the more we have a chance to watch God move. So Jesus tells us very clearly who we are. Simple and straightforward, but impactful and lasting. If we are a follower of Christ, we should be a beacon of hope to those around us. And in a world that's clearly searching for answers, are people seeing the light of Christ in you? Or is there a dimmer on your light? Has your light run out of battery from not being plugged into the power source? And let's remember what the word says. It doesn't just say that you are light. This light has a target. And it's not other lights. Because if you shine your bright light at someone shining their light at you, you just end up blinding each other or something. <laughs> but you're the light of the world. So what's the target of your light? Who is the target of your light? Or have you put too many additives to your salt and it's started to lose its power? Are you preserving everything you touch? Or are you surrounded by rot and decay? So today, salt is more optional and it's used for flavor and some people even say unhealthy. But in the first century, it was absolutely essential. And Jesus has recreated and assigned you as the essential agent to prevent rot and decay around you. So, and let's remember again, that you aren't just salt. It says you are the salt of the earth. So where is your salt landing? Or have you even gotten out of the salt shaker? So we don't lack for opportunities to be a light in our world, but are we taking them? Light isn't intimidated by the darkness and salt will not fail to preserve. So what are we afraid of? So this week, I want us to look for an opportunity to shine your light in one dark spot, whether it be like a kind act or a prayer or a word of encouragement to someone, just be a light to someone around you and see what God can do. And if you're listening today and haven't received the light, Jesus is calling you to come and receive the light of the world. Or if you're new to this journey and feel like your light is dim or your salt isn't making a big impact, I just want to encourage you to continue to grow. And remember that a little boy gave five loaves and two fish, and Christ fed 5,000 people. If you're already shining brightly, and your salt has been landing in needed places, I want this word to affirm and encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. So let me pray for us as we close.